I'm Steve Duke, and this is the Two Roads Podcast. Today on the show, we have Chanel Venter, and she's the founder of a company called Magnify. Back in 2019, Chanel was working in a corporate job in hospitality, and by all accounts, she was a super high achiever. She received multiple promotions in her work, but she found that every time she got promoted, the high would very quickly wear off, and she'd be left in a situation where she was kind of feeling pretty dissatisfied with her role and she was asking herself these questions of you know is there something more out there is this really it for me she wanted more freedom in her life and started to think of ways that she could make that happen now fast forward four years and Chanel is the founder and managing director of a very successful business providing mystery shopping in the hospitality industry She's doubled the revenues of this business every year for the past few years, and it's grown the team to five people, providing services across multiple countries. And perhaps more importantly, Chanel has achieved her goal of creating a life of freedom for herself. She now lives in Bali, where she works remotely and has essentially complete control over how and where she spends her time. Although this is obviously a great story of someone creating a life they love, Chanel will be the first to say that it's been a total roller coaster for her over the last few years. And we talk about all of that. We talk about the highs and the lows of this journey and what she's learned about business, but also about herself along the way. On this episode, you will hear about why Chanel finally decided to leave her job and start her own business, the exact steps that she took to transition from her full-time job into doing her own thing full-time. What life is actually like for Chanel, running her own business and living in Bali. Some of the downsides of being a solo founder and what she has done to combat those. Her advice for someone who's trying to figure out what to do in their lives. And finally, Chanel's thoughts on relationships and how to make sure you're doing the right thing for yourself in your relationship while still pursuing whatever goals and ambitions you might have for yourself from a work perspective. Chanel is a wonderfully interesting person who is incredibly open about her own journey. And I think that's what helped make this conversation so enjoyable. If you want to get more content on how to build a life you love, you can follow me on socials on Instagram. It's two roads pod. And then on LinkedIn, just follow like my personal profile, which is Steve Duke. I just announced on Instagram this week, something that I'm working on. That's going to be quite exciting. It's going to come out in the next few weeks. I don't have too many more details other than that. I'll be updating on the podcast each week. But if you want more up-to-date details, go and follow my socials where I'll be posting about what that is. And it's really just about all helping this audience and anybody who needs support in kind of figuring out what it is they want to do with their life and how to kind of build a life that they love. But for now, I hope you enjoy my chat with Chanel Venter. Let's get into it. Chanel, you run your own business called Magnify. I would love to know, why did you start this business? Um, a couple of reasons, I would say. Um, I think the first reason was, was that I found my place, like, I'd kind of been very career-driven. I wanted to climb the corporate ladder. I thought that's what you do. You know, you go to university, get your job, 
you climb the career ladder, you get promoted, and then you know eventually what become a department head and then a director and so on. And so I thought that was that was my trajectory. That's why I was doing what I was doing. But I found myself kind of having these cycles where I would get a job, I would enjoy the job while I was in that honeymoon period, work really hard, um, you know, make the connections, prove myself, right? And then I'd kind of find myself in this place of being like is this it? Like, why do I feel kind of unfulfilled, you know? And then what would happen is I would get promoted or I'd get a new opportunity or new responsibilities or something would kind of come along that would make me justify staying and sticking to that kind of pathway. And so no matter how often I would, you know, get promoted or make more money or climb the career ladder, it would be very short-lived as to how excited I felt about the job or how fulfilled I felt. And I'd always find myself kind of coming back to this feeling of, kind of being unfulfilled like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do so at the time when kind of Magnify was born I was again I'd just been promoted I was a department head I'd gone quite quickly in my career which which was awesome but again I had this feeling of being quite unfulfilled and I just thought you know what I would love to live a life you know where I could be in control of when I worked uh, where I worked from it sounded like a dream and, you know, I'd, like it's not possible for me, you know, but I just couldn't shake the feeling that that's what, that's what I wanted. I didn't want to have to show up at 8am and clock in and then clock out at 6pm. So that kind of started this idea of like, okay, how can I, how can I live a life like that? And then at the same time that I was starting to have those feelings and, and recognizing that I was in this cycle of, you know, always coming back to this place of being unfilled. There was a lot of change going on in the company that I was working for. Um, and I started to just not enjoy environment not enjoy what I was doing um, and so that kind of coupled with the fact that I happened to just be at the right place at the right time to start the business that I started I mean I never thought that I would ever own a mystery shopping agency which is you know what I'm doing it's so bizarre it's super niche um, so it did kind of just happen you know organically where I was in the right place at the right time I was leading this project we were looking for a mystery shopping agency for the hotel that I was working at we were currently using one that was outside of Dubai, which is where I was based. And um, I had to try and go out and find something locally that could kind of, you know, be a bit more flexible with what we wanted and also offer a more competitive price. And so I had to actually go out and try and source a mystery shopping agency. And that's when I identified this gap in the market for hospitality focused mystery shopping agency that could compete with the same sort of quality that we were getting outside of the region. So those kind of things coupled together, I was just like, you know what, like now's my opportunity. You know, I've been feeling this way. I've been feeling unfulfilled. I want to be able to dictate my own schedule. I had this idea. I think it's got legs, you know, why not give it a shot? So then tell me a bit more about what the business actually does, right? Like, how do you explain it to somebody who might have any clue? How big is it? You know, how can we get kind of a sense of for like what it is that, you know, the business actually does? So essentially we are a mystery shopping agency. Um, so for those that don't know what mystery shopping is, because yeah, it's, it's a bizarre concept. Um, so essentially we work with in hospitality. So that is our niche that we choose to operate within. So hotels, restaurants, beach clubs, bars, those are kind of our clients. Within the UAE, we also operate in Saudi and Oman. And essentially what we do is we send people out to go and have an experience at a restaurant, for example. So the restaurant will be on client. They, we would set up a program with them and we would essentially deploy people to go and pretend to be a guest and they would go through the entire journey um, from making the reservation to arriving at the restaurant to ordering the food, consuming the food and beverage. Um, and then after their experience, they would submit a report based on their feedback 
based on their experience rather. And that report we share with our clients and we also help them to kind of draft some insights and we do a lot of dashboards and comparisons and metrics to help them figure out, okay, on a typical day, what is a guest going through and what can they do to improve? So um, that's essentially what we do in a nutshell. Um, quite a fun job. Basically get paid to stay in hotels and eat in restaurants. <laughs> and so what, you, you started it back in 2018, right? Yes. So 2018, um, 2018, the idea was born. And then I actually, I'd only nice, like registered the company in 2019. So it took me about, I think from the time that the idea kind of came maybe about eight months before I actually registered the company and it was officially born. Uh, so yeah, we're still quite a small team at the moment. So we've been around about four and a half years. We're a team of five, kind of a core team. Um, and then we have some outsourced um, accountants and then other freelancers that we work with. And then we have our database of mystery shoppers. Right. So these are like kind of like freelance mystery shoppers, is it? Who you would kind of recruit to go and go to a restaurant and then they report back in terms of what the experience was like. Exactly. So they don't work for us. They're just everyday normal people who have full-time jobs, who have moms, all that kind of stuff. And so they just do this on the side. It's a nice way for them to have kind of free experiences and also they get paid to do it and they get to involve their friends and family. So we definitely don't have a problem with recruiting mystery shoppers. Yeah, I can imagine. I think I want to sign off and be added to this uh... If you expand to if you expand to Australia, you know where to look for your first mystery um, shopper. You will be my first call. And yeah, in terms of in terms of like that kind of has this sense of scale in terms of like um, the people that you have employed by the business and how it's grown. But like, what about like from a client's perspective? Or do you ever share much about like kind of the revenue that you make? Or like, how can you get a sense of like the performance and how much has grown since you started it? Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't tend to share kind of the revenue side of things, but, um, I mean, the business in order to kind of be successful with what we do, we do kind of need volume. So we obviously have competitors, whatever you do, you have competitors. And typically because I'm the new one into the market, they've kind of dictated what the market price is going to be. And they set the expectation as to what we can charge for this service essentially that we offer. And I think the hardest part for me was kind of finding where do I sit within that pricing spectrum? right um obviously i wanted to focus on quality and so we sit a little bit higher on the pricing spectrum um at the beginning it was super hard to justify you know why we were charging that especially when we didn't have a track record now it's significantly easier because we've been around for some time um but in terms of how the business has grown i mean so it took it took six months for me to land my first client i launched a business and i was like easy i know i've got an amazing product service is great i've literally created it knowing what people in the industry are looking for like of course why why wouldn't i get clients right so it took me about six months to get my first client and it was just me at the beginning um and then obviously covid hit which wasn't fun um in hindsight it was actually the perfect time for me to start the business because if I had started it any earlier, um, I would have had, you know, overheads that would have meant that I would have struggled financially to survive that period. Uh, and anyway, we did make it through COVID. Thank God landed, uh, you know, kind of a, a big client towards the end of COVID, which was about September, 2020. And that is really where the snowball started and momentum started to grow from there. So I went from just being myself, um, to then a team of two. That was back in 2020, I believe, September 2020. Now we're yeah, a team of five and every year we've basically um, doubled in terms of our revenue. So yeah, 
we've grown quite a lot. And like this year, for example, I would say, you know, the first year I don't really count because it was COVID and we landed a client and lost a client and then we just kind of hang on and survive and make little bits of money here and there. Um, so I would say we only really started, like my first fiscal year that I count is 2021. And since then, yeah, we've um, basically doubled our revenue in 2022. And this year we're already up by, um, I believe, 56% compared to last year. Um, yeah, so we've definitely got momentum behind us. And a lot of it has been organic growth. Um, you know, Google Ads has been great for us. We don't have a lot of competitors in that space. So we pay um, not that much for uh, really great keywords and we've actually got some big clients from there um but you know now is really the focus to kind of scale the business and grow the business and that's my focus is on sales so it's going to be really exciting to see if we can grow like that organically via just google ads and word of mouth then imagine what we could do if we actually put some uh, some power behind it that's really cool i mean like to double every year for like a few years in the trot like very quickly that tended to do a pretty substantial business right um so that's pretty amazing. Um, so if you go back to kind of that point that you were talking about at the start, right, where you're in your your kind of old job, your eight to six, your nine to five, whatever else it is, but kind of constantly having these feelings of like, is this it? Like, you know, not really feeling deeply satisfied. Maybe you get a promotion, the high lasts for a little bit during the honeymoon phase, but then it fades. And then that's kind of what drove some of your desire to kind of start something new or maybe the what you were saying it was that the desire for having freedom comes first and then the business comes as an avenue to kind of achieve that like how did how did you like did i guess did you know did you have much certainty that this path was going to lead you to something where you felt like you had freedom and where you kind of had this deeper sense of satisfaction or were you still worried that you might end up in the same position where it's like you have a honeymoon phase and then it wears off and actually having your own business was maybe no different to working for somebody else's. Like what, what was that kind of like experience like? I mean, that definitely sits in the back of your mind, right? I think for me, the biggest thing was, is that I've, I've always kind of followed the known path. Um, you know, like I went to school, I went to university, I got a job, I, you know, paid my bills, you know, I planned a career, I, the promotion I you know I did all those things that you're supposed to do so this was the first time that I was stepping outside of that kind of comfort zone that I created myself and that was fueled by this feeling inside of me of like why you know I'm getting the promotion I'm getting more money I mean there was one time where I actually doubled my salary by taking another job which is wild and you would think that that would make you happy right and it did for like a short while but then I came back and I still felt unfulfilled. And I was like, why do I feel like this? You know, I've literally doubled my salary by taking this job. Like, you know, why do I feel this way? So when I started the business, it is that fear of, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I going to, am I going to get, am I going to have that same feeling of unfulfillment? Um, you know, but I think the biggest thing was for me that was kind of weighing on my mind was a fear of failure. Because up until that point, I'd been, you know, quote unquote successful you know I'd grown really quickly I was one of the youngest department heads in a very traditional environment of hotels right where they you know they don't they care about your age they you know you know especially a woman in a, in a male dominated industry like that as well can be quite tough and so I just had this yeah I think the fear of failure is really what kind of weighed on my mind and that was that was more so than this fear of like am I just gonna do another loop you know um and I think I had this like 
you have this like gut feeling where you just kind of know um you get this like nervous excitement or I do rather and whenever I get that like really nervous excitement feeling like I know that I'm I'm doing something outside of my norm and usually when I feel that I don't I don't ever feel like yeah I don't feel great and I don't feel like it's it's made me feel unfulfilled it's always led to something bigger and better and um kind of led me more on my path than if I stayed on the known path if that makes sense we talk about like that that fear of failure like what was it that finally kicked you over the edge where you're like yeah I'm afraid of failure I've got all these worries there's maybe loads of reasons why I shouldn't do this thing but like do you know what fuck it I'm gonna go for it like what was kind of that final moment that kicked you over the edge honestly like I remember you know I was t- I had the idea um sat on the idea maybe for about four months you know you do you you waste time really you research and you feel like okay I don't have all the information that I need or I haven't put everything down on paper you know I, I need to get advice from this person see what they think you know like what do I know and so you literally essentially just waste time by fucking google searching the shit out of your idea and trying to figure out if it's going to work or not but you really don't know unless you just go for it so I wasted my time for four months trying to do this and then eventually I was like, you know what, if I'm serious, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. And then I remember with my partner at the time, we had like a little brainstorm about what I would call this company. This, this, this company that I think. And we had this brainstorm session and we kind of wrote down some names. And I remember I still have that piece of paper. I wrote down the name Magnify. And there was something that clicked in me. And I was just like, fuck, like this is it. And I just had this feeling. I was like, I have to, I have to do this. And from that moment, it was almost all consuming. It's all I would think about. I would go to sleep thinking about it. I would wake up thinking about it. I'd be in the office thinking about it. And it would eat away at me. And I just, I just knew that no matter how afraid I was of, you know, all the worst case scenarios that you paint for yourself, right? Well, I'm going to fail. People are going to judge me. What are they going to think? Who am I to start a business? You know, like, uh, am I going to have money? I'm going to live on the street, you know, like all the stuff that runs through your mind and I was but I just had this overarching just like deep feeling of I just have to do this I have no kids I have no major responsibilities I'm still young enough to pivot if I want to um and this is my opportunity I've you know I, I haven't been one of those people who's always known what I wanted to do the majority of us are not like that and I wasn't like that I didn't have this like overarching passion or purpose that I knew I had to fulfill um, and so for me, it was more about, okay, what kind of life do I want to live? And that was that idea of freedom that we talked about. And I had basically been presented this opportunity with me being in the perfect place at the perfect time. I've identified this gap in the market. I would be fucking stupid if I didn't just take the leap and just drown out all the noise, drown out the fear and just give it a go. I always find it interesting how there is... Oftentimes, like a lot of like rational reasons that we like build up for ourselves. Like, okay, we need a business plan. Do we think there's an opportunity there? Like, do we think this will allow me to create the life that we live? And like, they're all really important. Then oftentimes, like the tipping point is something that's so much more like emotional, where like you find a name for it or something happens or you have an experience. You're like, no, that's it. Like, I got to go do it now. And it's like, until you kind of have that emotional reaction to something, um, it's you don't tend it can a lot of people don't act until they have like the emotions and the rational thoughts need to like go together like before you act on something yeah which i find very very interesting i'm interested right so soon i talk to a lot of people and you hear these stories right of like business podcasts or people and they talk about how they founded the business like oh i was doing the job and then i decided i was going to leave and start this company 
And then they kind of skip the next step, which is like exactly what they did to leave the job and start the company. And then they're like, oh yeah. And then after a year, you know, we were going, okay. And then now we're a massive success. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. what was that step? Because that's where everybody gets stuck, right? Because those people have the idea and they're sitting there and they're like, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm ready to leave my job and do this. But like, what do they do? Like, what are the practical steps? And a lot, there's not much content out there, like frameworks, like what does somebody actually do in that situation? So for you, when you had made the decision, this is it, I'm going to go and do the thing. I'm done wasting the time, you know, Googling it or whatever else. I'm going to go do it. What were like the really practical things that you did along, you know, in the very, very first few steps? Um, I mean, I, I will put a caveat that I was quite naive when I started the business, but I think we all are, right? You never really fully know what you're signing up for until you start. But for me, I, I've always been very like a structured process driven person. So I focused first on the actual service, the product that I was going to offer. So, um, I obviously had the idea and I put together the structure of what the reports would look like, what kind of features would I include, um, what, how the process would work, um, what, you know, what would be my kind of unique selling points. So I really kind of like really refined my, my offering. Um, that is where I focus. I, I designed the reports. I, you know, I did kind of all of that stuff. That is where I focus my energy. Um, and I knew, so, you know, once you kind of got that kind of drafted, you know, I didn't even do much financials. I kind of had an idea of what I would price things, but honestly, pricing was probably, especially for a service-based business, pricing is probably the most difficult thing that you will do because a service is quite variable, right? What one person thinks is expensive, another person doesn't even blink that. So I had a kind of rough estimate of my pricing and this pricing was based on some of the competitive research that I did. So I did a little look out, I knew what the spectrum was, I knew what some people were paying, I knew what the bottom was. So I kind of identified my pricing. So I had my, my offering, my service, my structure. I'd designed the reports, I'd you know designed all my, my sales kind of stuff. I'd figured out my pricing. Um, and then from there, I went and built the website. So that's when I kind of did, okay, I need an online presence. So I had the website and once I had that, I could kind of see kind of everything together. And I knew like what my process would be, what my target clients would be like as well. So when I started, I had a really kind of defined idea of who I would go and target. And for me, that was luxury hotels and fine dining restaurants. Now, good choice. I, I, wanted, I wanted all the bougie, all the bougie experiences. I was like, I must go for them. Um, and I will say now, casual dining is our biggest client segment. And if you had asked me when I started the business, I would be like, there's no way I'm working with casual dining. So I think it's important to have, you know, to do those things and have an ultimate vision, but do not get attached to that. You have to be able to adapt and change. Um, and that's exactly what we did. So anyway, so I did that. Um, and then I was like, okay, when I felt the point that I was ready to actually go out and start to get clients, that's when I thought, okay, I probably should tell my job. Like I can't be working full time and now going out. So you hadn't left at this point. You're so you're building all of this like weekends, kind of evenings, maybe, you know, maybe during work a little bit, but like, yeah, you're still doing your full-time job. Uh, yes. I was still fully like, like, yeah full-time employed I was working I was working like 10 11 hours so by the time you know you're quite tired after that and then if I would do the weekends I'd do afterwards it just it was just kind of consuming and I started to put everything together but I was fully employed and that 
maybe took me about wasted my time four months just researching the shit out of it and then I started to like seriously do the work and put together the structure and all that stuff and that probably took me maybe like three months um and then when I felt like I was actually ready to go out to the market I had an offering I had a product I knew what it looked like I knew what the process would be like if a client would come on board I had my service agreement drafted I had my website um I had a rough idea of my pricing I had my kind of sales uh kind of set that I had that's what I would care I'm ready to go to market and then so that was the point where I was ready to hand in my resignation so up until that point I was still fully fully employed um that I remember that day that was the scariest day because this is where it starts to become real you know everything up until that point has just been an idea you know a thought that you've had that you're slowly starting to bring into reality but you have no idea you're leaving a cushy comfortable life of getting a salary every single month for no guarantee so I was prepared to do that. And so I was like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm handing in my resignation. Um, the, my boss at the time didn't want me to leave. The, you know, they were like, this is amazing that you want to do that, but we can't lose you, which was amazing. So I ended up negotiating a part-time contract with my employer at the time. And so they put that on the table, which I hadn't even considered because I thought it would be like an all or nothing kind of thing. And you, you do share, you know, everybody's like, you know, if you've got a good idea, you know, you go all in, you know, right from the start, quit your job and then, you know, we go for it. That just wasn't my approach. I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable just completely like, fuck it, you know? So for me, that was a great way for me to have more time to build the business, but still have at least somewhat of a salary coming through. Um, and I was completely transparent with them. They knew that I was going to go out and do different clients. So at that point, that's when I really started to build like online presence. I set up my Google ads. I started to do some sales pitch, outreach, you know, starting to really get that wall kind of rolling with the business. And then when I reached a point where um, probably did the part-time thing from, uh, I think it was another three months. Uh, so yeah, I started to, the business to-do list and tasks that needed to be done started to take a lot more of my time and I reached a point where I felt like me having to show up at the office was actually taking away time for me to like you know build the business I had grown to a point where I had a lot more to do and it was that point that I then cut the tie and I was like you know thank you so much for for the part-time opportunity and supporting me but now's the time that I have to I have to leave and yeah so all in all that whole kind of process I would say you know kind of maybe took about nine months um yeah so that was kind of my my journey through it all and, and even when I when I did hand in my resignation and was officially done um like I said it took yeah, it took about six months for me to actually get my first client after that it is yeah, well, a lot harder than you think yeah it's it's not easy yeah and how did you think about kind of the financial aspect of that decision right were you like okay, I've got enough saved up that I have like X number of months of runway here or where you're like, no, this is it. I'm going to go in until I make it work. You know, I just have to make it work. Like, how did you think about that? Because sometimes, you know, that's definitely one of the reasons it holds some people back, right? Is that like, well, look, yeah. I have X amount of money. I mean, you have to be smart, right? Um, so for me, I had savings and I knew, okay, like I have, you know, X amount saved up. I can live for a certain amount of time. Um, I was also in a relationship at the time, which kind of added a little bit to my comfort because I knew that he was never going to let me just, you know, live on the street if I needed to. So I knew that I'd always have a place to sleep if the worst case happened. Um, yeah, I knew I had a savings. I knew I had a buffer. 
I knew that that would get me so far. So I knew I had to, okay, I've got X amount of time to really graft, start to make some money so that at least I can live thereafter. But I was fully prepared to blast through my savings, which I did. Like things took significantly longer than I thought. You know, I thought, like I said, I had an amazing product. Why wouldn't people want to sign up with me, right? But I was new to the market. I had to prove myself. I had to create a reputation. I needed momentum to build. And that takes time, especially in an industry like hospitality, which is quite traditional. So yeah, so I did have some money saved up. I also, I was in a relationship, which did make it a little bit easier for me because I had that cushioning. Uh, but yeah, you, I think it's, if you have, you know, there's some people as well who are in relationships and it's easier or you have parents that are willing to support you, that definitely makes it, it makes it easier. But if you are by yourself and wanting to start out of business, you have to buffer so I would never, ever recommend just going all in, blasting through your savings and not cutting back on your lifestyle. You said that, you know, you were a bit naive when you started the business. If you were to go back and do it again and like those different steps and kind of the sequence of things, would you do it any differently? Honestly, no, I really don't think I would. Um, I mean, I'm definitely, I have learned so much. You know, you think when you start out, you know, kind of creating and launching a business, you think that's what you're doing. You're creating a thing that people are going to pay you money to do, right? And that's like, that's what I'm doing. But for me, starting the business was actually what I didn't realize was that I was about to embark on the craziest internal journey that I have ever been on. Um, you know, one of like growth and learning and constantly having to have really difficult conversations with yourself. And so I... I honestly wouldn't go back and change anything because I think everything happened exactly as it was. I was the person that I needed to be in that moment in order for me to be the person that I am like here today. So I think I love that I was naive. I think if I wasn't naive, I probably wouldn't have done it. I would have, you know, if I had known that it was going to take me six months to get a client, if I had known that it would be a hectic emotional roller coaster that, you know, I'd be super happy one day and tears the next day that I'd be so stressed, you know, not knowing when the next, you know, paycheck's coming in because it's been six months. Why am I not getting paid? If I had known all of that, I probably wouldn't have taken that leap. So I think in retrospect, me being naive was a blessing in disguise because I took that leap and I managed to figure it out. And here we are today. So, yeah. So you said that like it took like six months, right? Before you made your first sale. This is even after like going on it for a part. Were there any point in that six months where you could, like, surely there's like a lot of doubt coming up at that point where you're like, oh my God, like, is this going to work? Or like, am I made a mistake? Oh my God. Every day, every single day you doubt your decision. Um, every single day you're like, fuck, what have I done? Is anybody ever going to sign up? Am I ever going to get a client? Am I ever going to make money? Like, you know, why did I leave my job? You know, all, all these thoughts, you know, come up and you start to, like, at least for me, you start to kind of question, um, I don't know, I've, I've never, I've never really been an insecure person, which, you know, I'm really, I'm blessed to be that way. Right. And I always thought that, you know, I was confident and I always just had this innate belief in myself, you know, since I was a child, which I'm really grateful for. But in this, in that moment, that all kind of comes crumbling, you know, you start to start to question your, like, am I good enough? You know, is it me? You know, um, you know, you see other people doing it, you know, and you, you really like this voice starts to come into your head because, you know, if, if surely if I was good enough, if my idea was good enough, you know, if, you know, I, I would have a client by this point. And so, yeah, it was literally 
my my mood and my sense of self-worth was linked to whether I got a new lead that day, right? And how my pitch went. If my pitch went hideous and they, you know, they, they cut me off after 10 minutes, I felt really shitty about myself. And it was like my my whole kind of yeah, everything was just this emotional roller coaster up and down. And it was all tied to that. Like I wasn't, I was just on this roller coaster, right? Just holding on to dear life and it was all tied to whether felt like a client was going to sign on with me or not so yeah it's a really hectic emotional roller coaster and you start to doubt yourself you start like I started to lose my confidence I started to lose like the belief in myself um and I just I, I reached one point as well and, and you know especially with sales like sales was not my strong point I'm not a salesperson it's not what I'm good at but when you start a business you can't afford to hire somebody so you have to get good at everything you, there's nowhere to hide right you have to just confront the shit that you're bad at like head on and so I kept putting myself out there and you know I started to as my confidence was wavering I started to really start to fake my you know I'd, I'd go in and have a really kind of like pep talk myself okay I'm confident I'd, I'd essentially go and like fake my confidence uh, to the point that at least for that 30 minutes when I had my sales pitch I was pretending to be a confident person that was confident in my product even though in the back of my head it's like fuck it's been six months why has nobody signed on um, yeah. and then, you know, the reality is, is, you know, when I landed my first client, that's when that kind of spark of belief comes back in yourself, right? And you're like, like, you know, maybe what I've created is worth paying for, is worth buying. And then it slowly starts to come, come back. And honestly, I, I realized that, you know, I don't know, the more you kind of believe in yourself, you kind of give off this energy and you attract that. Right. And so for me, because I'd kind of placed that belief into me not getting clients or clients kind of coming on I was out of control for like six months and that's probably why it was such a hectic emotional roller coaster but the minute I started to get you know one client two clients three clients they all start to kind of snowball that momentum builds but it really is down to you starting to gain confidence in yourself again and starting to believe in yourself believe in your product and that energy you exude when you go out and have these sales pitches and and talk to potential clients yeah what are your thoughts though on you know, try to develop a sense of confidence that isn't tied to, to results, right? Because it's obviously when you start to get clients or you start to get wins, whatever else it is, it's going to reinforce your belief in yourself and then you're going to come across more confident and that can snowball in a really positive way. But it's really tough if your sense of confidence and how you're showing up is like tied to results because there's always going to be a period where you're not doing as well as you might want to. And then if your confidence drops off, it could very easily snowball in the opposite direction. So for me, it always seems better that like, you know, to try and find a way to develop confidence that's not linked to outcomes. Right? Is that something that you thought about or tried to develop or or not? Hundred percent. That was I mean, that's how I do things now. I think obviously back then being young and naive and you know, maybe not as emotionally mature. Um uh you have to, you absolutely have to. For me, I think for me, my biggest struggle was I always cared way too much what people thought. Um, as a child, I was always a people pleaser. Uh, I, you know, I kind of thought that I was this ambitious, competitive person. I always had to be the best at everything. And if I was the best at everything, you know, people would like me, you know, um, it would make me, you know, feel like, you know, people could look up to me and, you know, all that kind of that shit. And I didn't kind of realize where that came from, but, you know, I do now. But essentially what that's meant is that I would place my sense of worth, 
confidence in my achievements, my outcomes, my results, right? And I didn't realize this until I started the business because I started the business. I wasn't getting the results. I wasn't landing my client. It was taking me significantly longer. Therefore, this identity that I created about myself being this ambitious, successful, good at everything, competitive person was kind of crumbling. And I, I, for me, it kind of manifested in this way of like, you know, what do people think? What would people think if I fail, you know? what would people think if they asked me how the business is going and I'm telling them that it's fucking hard and I don't know if it's actually going to survive, you know, what would they think of me? And that, that was because I was placing my self-worth in the hands of others and in the hands of what I thought other people would think about me, which is ridiculous if you think about it, right? Because how do I know what you think? I create a story in my mind of what I think you think about me which most of the time is just bullshit because you are so focused on you that you're actually not even thinking about me, right? And so we all live our lives just so caring what other people are thinking and thinking, oh, this person thinks this about me, but it's bullshit. So that is what I did at that time. And now I would 100%, you have to find a way if you were going to survive as an entrepreneur, business owner, which is fucking tough, you have to find a way of drowning out that noise and just placing your happiness in yourself and reminding yourself, why are you doing this, right? Why am I doing the business? Why am I starting the business? Not if I fail, what will people think of me? Which is what I was thinking back then. Now everything I do comes from a place of, okay, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this life that I want to create. You know, it's less about what other people think and more about how I choose to show up every day. Um, so... Yeah, I definitely think if you're able to do that from the start and not tie your sense of confidence or self-worth to your outcomes um, and just keep chipping away, just keep showing up, drowning out that noise, drowning out the opinions, it will be probably a much more fun. And you mentioned kind of like your rational realization of how stupid it is to think about, you know, what other people think of you, right? Um, and obviously I agree with that. I think most people would rationally agree with that argument, but I think there's a difference between rationally understanding it and also changing your mindset to a point where you actually care less about what other people think. And it, you don't let it influence your behaviors or like how you show up. Was there anything that helped for you to kind of make that transition so that you actually not just understood rationally why you, sh why you shouldn't care what other people think, but you actually started to believe it on an emotional level and kind of translate that into like your behaviors? Yeah, I mean, I think the first step is you, you have to start to become aware of your thoughts, right? A lot of us are actually just living in this programmed loop of we think the same stuff, the same stuff makes us feel the same stuff, the same emotions make us behave the same way that we always behave, and those behaviors make us think the same thing. So we're just trapped in this loop, right? Um, and for me, that was a loop of, you know, what other people think of me, uh, you know, have all this pressure that I need to live up to all these expectations that I think people have of me, which they don't because it's just created in my head. And to break through of that, I think the first step is you have to start to become aware of that. And, you know, for me, the key where that started to shift was I, especially with the business, when I could feel that I was on this emotional roller coaster, which wasn't like me at all, I started to meditate. Um, it was my first kind of experience with meditating and I still meditate today. And that was 
the first time where, you know, even if I started for like five minutes, you know, now I do 20 to 30 minutes, but it was the first time where you, you kind of drown out the noise. Yeah. And you start to, you start to hear your inner voice again, uh, which often is drowned out because of all the noise that's around us and because of those thoughts that we have where we don't realize we're having those thoughts. Um, and in those moments, that's when I started to find, I guess, yeah, my inner, my inner voice and start to like connect to like, what do I feel? What do I think about me? What do I think about what I'm doing? How do I actually feel about this? Not how do I think I should feel, right? And so for me, I think meditation has been an absolute game changer. Um, I think for anybody that is trying to, I don't know, just live life. Meditation is key because you start to drown out that noise and connect to yourself. Is there a specific type of meditation that you do? Um, so I started like not knowing anything about meditation. And so um, I started using an app called Headspace, which I could definitely recommend. Yeah. So Headspace is great. I don't know if you've used it. Yeah. Use it for very long time. <laughs> it's amazing because they actually teach you the why behind meditating as well. And I thought that, you know, when you meditate, it's all about silencing your thoughts and it's not, right? Because we've all got this voice in our head. It's incessant. It continuously has, you know, all these thoughts. And it's more about learning to separate yourself from your thoughts so that you don't identify with those thoughts. And when I was able to do that, which is what Headspace teaches you, that's when I was for the first time able to almost see this thought of me caring what other people think and realizing, fuck that's me like I care about what other people think and you catch yourself thinking this way right or you catch yourself being like you know uh, on social media or, you know I need to post this so that you know people can think this about me and then when you start to realize that that's why you're going to post this image not because you like the picture but because you know that by you posting that picture everybody's going to think x about you right so I decided to catch myself and I, I was able to do that because I learned how to meditate. And so I think for anybody who's starting out, Headspace, great app. Uh, now I don't do Headspace so much anymore. I just kind of do my, my, my own stuff. I've really started to get into kind of frequency meditation, which is different frequencies, which allow you to some for focus, concentration, some for deeper connection. And I think you just have to explore and see what works for you. But the key to start is just to start to learn how to meditate. I remember one of the very first headspace meditations I did, there was this visualization and he was like, imagine you're sitting on the side of the road and this car is going by on the highway. And he's like, each of these cars is like your thoughts. And like, I think about that pretty much every day. And it's, I was like, oh my God, I'm just sitting on the side of the road. Like there's a car going by. I don't need to jump in that car or like, you know, try and hang on to the roof of it. I can just let it go by. I'm like, oh, there's a car. There's a thought. Like, wow, look at it go. <laughs> exactly. And then sometimes you realize that you're in the car and you're like, suck, I'm in the car. And then you're like, okay, I need to jump back out, you know? But I think having some sort of like visual like that is super helpful. Amazing. Amazing. And I think that's kind of like the amazing thing about Headspace is like finding a really good way to translate it and to make kind of meditation accessible for people who may not have done it before at all in their lives. And I want to shift gears a little bit, right? So I want to talk about like on this podcast, right, I try and talk to people who are doing all these kind of different ranges of careers and jobs, life paths, um, and try to get into details about what their life might look like. Because there might be people who are listening to this to say, oh, I'd really be interested in starting my own business. 
um, but they may not have much of an insight into what that actually looks like from a day-to-day perspective because I always find like that's what actually matters right it's like how do you spend your time each day um, and that kind of 24-hour period so can you tell me a bit about like what your actual world life looks like now or maybe what a typical day would be for you um okay yeah I would say for me I mean I, I have a much healthier balance at the moment um I think when you start the business it's very full-on so um Right now, I, I've kind of got some clear structures and boundaries. So a typical day for me, I would say, so Sunday is, you know, I, I don't have a full weekend. I, I, Sunday tends to be my kind of admin planning day. So I plan my week on a Sunday, um, kind of, you know, my whole cal- calendar, um, upcoming meetings, my work blocks, my to-do list, um, my team's to-do list as well. So that would be my Sunday. Like all day Sunday, but you work all day? No, not all day. So maybe like half a day, I would say. Um, but that, I honestly, I really enjoy that because it sets me up for the week, um, which means when I do all my planning and thinking on a Sunday, during the week, I just show up. I know what I need to do and I know what my priorities are. So I don't just have, to, I mean, your to-do list is never ending, you know, when you have business. But I highlight, okay, on this day, if all else fails, I can only complete one task, what will that task be? And I highlight that. And so every single day, if all else fails, I make sure that that is the one task that I complete. But I do all that planning on a Sunday so that I'm not waking up on a Monday or a Tuesday thinking about what I need to do that day. I already know what I need to do. So um, now, as so I usually have, wake up, um, have a coffee, meditate, I do a bit of journaling, um, I exercise. My mornings are kind of the time for me. So because I'm living in Bali, operating a business that um, operates out of the UAE, I'm four hours ahead. So I have the whole kind of morning to do that. But honestly, that routine sets me up for the rest of the day. I usually hop online um, between 11 and 12 p.m. Get some of my, I usually tackle my, my biggest task first. So that one thing that I have to complete, that's the first thing that I tackle. And then I do kind of emails and stuff after that. Um I mean, my, my stuff varies. I'm doing sales, I'm doing marketing, I'm doing branding, I'm doing strategy, I'm doing finance, I'm operations, I'm having one-to-ones with my team, I'm currently building a software, so I'm in touch with our developers, I'm a part-time software developer. So literally all the hats um, I'm still wearing, even four and a half years down the line, um, but I have started to delegate a few things. So yeah, so... I would kind of chip away at my stuff and then when my team comes online I'm very much involved with the operation so we use slack as one of our kind of key channels and we have you know a couple of catch-ups with the team and check-ins and usually communicating with them throughout slack throughout the entire day um so yeah I usually punch out I'd say maybe four to five hours I make sure that I have sunset break it's really important to me where I go and watch sunset and just switch off from whatever I'm doing uh she had some dinner as well and then I hop back online I'm typically working until about 8 30 p.m my time and then I have a hard cutoff where I have to switch off at that time and then I have kind of a little nighttime routine that I do as well which allows me to just switch off I think the biggest thing for me in the beginning was I just couldn't switch off so I'd work right up until you go to bed right and then your brain doesn't switch off you're thinking about everything that happened that day what you need to do the next day you're replaying a conversation that you had with a client over and over in your head you're worrying about whether this client's going to leave you tomorrow you know all these all these thoughts that you have um and that 
that's when you get consumed by the business is when you're not able to switch off. So for me, my nighttime routine is super important. So I switch off, um, I usually have a cup of tea, put some music on, maybe catch, you know, catch up on all my WhatsApps, catch up with my, my mom or my friends or whatever, and then read. And then I have a good night's sleep. I have to have eight hours sleep. if I'm going to function. So that's typically what my day looks like at the moment. Um, but yeah, it can change. I've got a social thing here or something there, you know, an appointment, and then I go and do that because I'm in full control of my schedule. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so for the times that you're working, um, are you spending a lot of time like on calls, like with your team? Is that kind of, you know, you're, you're in front of the laptop on calls, like practically? Um, no. Um, so I ha- we have kind of set calls that we do. So because we're remote, um, I think it's very important to have like a clear structure in place. So every Monday morning, we have a weekly team meeting where we catch up and everything that needs to happen in that week. Then I have one-to-ones with each of my team and that all happens on the same day, which is Tuesday, which then means Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I typically don't have any calls with my team unless it's like some of the monthly meetings that we have. And that is dedicated to either client calls or working on my own stuff. Um, but I am pretty much present on Slack 24-7. It's funny you're talking about like implementing those boundaries for yourself at the end of the day. So um, this wasn't when I ran my own business, but at the last company I used to work for um, a startup and so it was all kind of crazy. And I was in Sydney. Most of the folks were in like Europe or the US. So I'd do calls like literally right up until I went to bed. So I'd be on calls maybe like 11 p.m. And then I would like go to bed, right? Worst idea ever i used to dream i used to dream about work with like not in a nightmarish way just like really normal things that happened i would just like dream that i had like my one-to-one again with somebody but like it would be a bit weird and something would happen that would stress me out and then i would wake up in the morning and i'd be like was that reality or was that like my dream and i would never feel rested because i was like i just i actually i would wake up in the morning felt like i just did like a night's work it was the weirdest thing it's like you're like dream thinking you're not sleeping you're not dreaming it's almost like you're thinking and it's just the most bizarre i know that feeling so well yeah it's not good <laughs> so so you live in bali now right but a lot of your team were are in uaa uae or in in other countries like do you work from home do you go to like remote working space like what what's kind of your work setup like um in the beginning i would work uh, from cafes a lot and remote working spaces because of the novelty, right? It was super exciting. I can work from anywhere and I'm at this cafe today and that cafe tomorrow, um, which is exciting, but also exhausting. So for me, I work from home most of the time. Um, sometimes I feel like I need a change of scenery. You know, when you feel like I need to be creative, but I'm just, I just need that change of scenery. That's when I would maybe go to a cafe or a co-working space. But majority of the time are working from home. So I've made sure that I have quite a comfortable home work setup um, and obviously strong Wi-Fi. But yeah, I think it, yeah, it really depends. And you have some people that can't work from home. But for me, it was just really disruptive, always having to pack a bag and then move. And then you find that you can't sit at a cafe for eight hours and only order a coffee and a salad because then they start to look at you a little bit funny. So I find for me to be the most productive, I, I work from home. Yeah. And so you're... You know, a solo founder, like you're working from home a lot. Does that ever get lonely? Yes. Um, yeah, honestly, I, yeah, you feel lonely a lot. Um, especially in the beginning, I think I felt, I felt super alone. Um, 
because you know you don't you're in your head a lot um you don't have anybody to share the burden with you don't have anybody to bounce ideas off of you don't have anybody like a different perspective let's say if you're forced to you know to make a big decision you literally just have yourself and it means you are in your head a lot and even though I was surrounded by really supportive friends, supportive family members, I had a supportive partner as well. You know, I had all these people that I was essentially supported by, but I felt really alone um, and struggled to connect with people because I just felt like they didn't get it. And the truth is, is that you don't, you don't, you don't really get it until you start your own business because it's just this beast, right? And the problems that you face and not so much the technical side, but I think more like the personal side of the struggles that you face as a business owner. I just, yeah. So I did, I did feel quite alone, especially in the beginning. And I do have times now where I do still feel alone, but um, I've kind of made a real conscious effort to surround myself with other people that are also building businesses. And, you know, while we're not doing the same thing, we have the same struggles um, or we have different perspectives that we can offer for each other's businesses. So I think for me as a solo founder, it was really important for me to branch out of my usual circle and find people that were in a similar boat, that were starting a business or working for themselves um, and that, you know, kind of be like emotional support buddies for each other. Um, and yeah, that, that's been really helpful for me. Even here in Bali, there's a great community of entrepreneurs and I'm definitely starting to leverage that a little bit more. So yeah, but it, it can it can be lonely. That's the honest truth. So you better enjoy your own company. When you started this business, like we talked about, to kind of get a bit more freedom in your life, do you feel like you have that? Yes, I do. Um, and sometimes I want to pinch myself when I think about, you know, I like I created this, like this is this is what I wanted. And when I started the business, I knew I wanted that freedom. I didn't know how I was going to create that because at the time, the industry was very traditional. It was very kind of brick and mortar. You had to be present. You had to show face. You have to have a physical office. You had to, for sales pitches, you had to be physically in the room in order to pitch for that contract. Um, and so I had no idea like how and if it would ever happen. Um, but now having kind of gone through everything and COVID really changed the game where, you know, that was how the tickets were sold. And so when I made the decision to do that, that is when I started to feel that sense of freedom because to start with, I was essentially, I was, you know, I'd gone from being kind of a slave to my corporate job to being a slave to my business, basically operating my business the same way that I was working back at a corporate office, which is not why I started the business, right? And when I realized that, I was like, fuck, what am I doing? Like, you know, I started this business to gain my freedom. And that, you know, almost overnight back in November of last year, I was like, we're going right, it's happening. Um, and so we did everything that we needed to. And since I made that decision and I reminded myself why I started this business was to gain my freedom back, not to become a slave to it. Um, now we're kind of sitting here and sitting in Bali and having the location freedom where I can work from anywhere, have the time freedom. Yes, I work a lot, but I work on my terms. I can get to go to a friend's birthday party. I get to have a long lunch and catch up with my mom. You know, I get to do all those things. And so... Yeah, I, I, I do feel free. I'm still working super hard and I don't think that will ever change, but you're working on your terms. And for me, that's, yeah, I'm super happy. It's funny, isn't it? Because 
a lot of times people talk about work-life balance or whatever version of that they want to talk about and it's about the amount of hours they work. So I don't think that's the major determinant at all. I really think it's about, one, how do you feel about the work that you're doing? And then two is like how much control that you have over like the type of work that you do, where you do your work from, when you do it. Because like I would much rather work way longer hours but have those other things than, you know, work shorter hours that were really strict and they had to be in a certain place, you know, between nine and five, like Monday to Friday. No, and I think for me, that was like the biggest thing I had to unlearn. So coming from a corporate where you have to sign in at a time at eight o'clock, 8 a.m., if I leave at 5.55, five minutes before six o'clock, like, what the fuck? This is half a day, you know? And so you start to, like, you get conditioned to think that, okay, if I'm in a location for a certain amount of time, I have been productive right and it took me ages to unlearn that and I felt that I was still operating that same way when I started my business I was like if I had only spent four hours behind my computer it was a disaster of a day even though I may have got quite a lot done but it was only four hours behind my laptop how dare I I'm slacking you know why am I not being productive enough you know so we have to shift away from this and like even now with my team working remotely we don't have fixed hours we have unlimited vacation and I find that when you give people the freedom to work on their schedule, you know, when they work best, whether it's mornings, whether it's evenings, and being able to blend life with work, I am so happy to spend 12 hours on a Monday grafting my ass off so that I can go to, uh, you know, a friend's birthday on Tuesday and we're going to go and have an absolute, you know, fun time and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. So, yeah, it's it's it's... But we're conditioned to think that way. So it's it's a lot of unlearning. Yeah, 100%. I think as well, it's like um, when you realize how much you can get done in an uninterrupted period of like focused work, you really have to like reset what your concept of productivity looks like. Because, you know, I used to be working in, like I'll be on calls for like four or five hours and then like, you know, have to go and do something. Maybe I'll be a bit distracted. So I kind of have to do it. And then, you know, you can put in like eight or nine hours work done and you certain amount done it's like now i have very very few calls during the week so if i sit down to do something and i'm focused i realize i can smash stuff in like four hours you can get so so much done like so much done if you're really productive and you're working on the right things but it just you have to switch your mindset exactly you need to switch your phone off don't get distracted by instagram yeah, 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 yeah. so do yeah. so i throw it i literally sit here I get my phone in my pocket and like, fuck it, I could do work. <laughs> See how I can deal with it. <laughs> like some sort of like gravitational pull. Like you don't even realize that you're on your phone. 30 minutes has passed and you're like, what the fuck? I've been on Instagram for 30 minutes. How did this even happen? And you picked up your phone to like look at the time or answer a WhatsApp message. And before you know it, you're down the rabbit hole looking at, I don't know, a cat chasing a butterfly. It's just, it's ridiculous. But yeah, but I do. And I think for me as well, like, you know, now, four and a half years down the line, we've got set processes and systems in place. The team have got, you know, I've delegated quite a lot to the team. And so there are days where there's like kind of times where I don't have that much that I need to get done, right? And so I still struggle with this idea of like, okay, if I don't have that much to do, it's okay to just spend an hour or two behind the laptop and enjoy it, you know? But sometimes I catch myself feeling like I have to be doing something, otherwise feel guilty you know so i definitely still struggle with it today but yeah it's it's 
it's a constant battle. And over the last few years of you kind of building this business, is there anything else that you've learned? Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a million things that you've learned, but learned about like yourself and that you think is interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I've learned quite, I've learned quite a lot about myself. I mean, I think the key thing that I told you about was that I realized that I do care way too much about what people think. Um, I didn't realize that about myself. Um, I've always come across as quite this like confident kind of person, but really that confidence was coming from a place of me just caring way too much thing, playing it safe, behaving in a way that I thought, you know, people expected of me and like that would lead me to make certain decisions of my life. So, um, I learned that that was probably one of the key things that I learned and honestly, being able to let go of that side of me and care less about what people think has been the most freeing experience. And that was only really brought to light because of this whole business journey that I've been on. Um, so I think that would be one of the key things that I've learned about myself. And, and also I think you realize as you go through the business that you are capable of so much more than you think, right? And you're able to endure a lot more than you think you, you can. Um, and for me, you know, I've never been afraid of, of hard work. And I think you have to, the reality is you're going to be working hard. You're going to be working the hardest you've ever worked in your entire life. So you better get ready. But it's about being able to stay resilient. And I think that's one of the key things that I learned about myself is that I can endure a lot more than I think I can. And also that, um, I always kind of grew up thinking that I'm more of a logical person. I'm not very creative. Um, and so starting the business, I realized that I actually am a super creative person and that creativity doesn't mean just painting pretty pictures and taking nice photos, right? Um, creativity is about being able to envision. It's about being able to solve problems. It's about being able to overcome obstacles, you know, quickly and in ways that, um, you know, require you to think differently. So, um, and yeah, because I have to wear all the different hats, I also have to do all the marketing and branding. And so I have actually had to explore that side of me. So yeah, I think this is one of the key things that I've, I've learned since starting the business. Um, it's it's interesting when you have to challenge like some of those beliefs about yourself and like, you know, that you're, you've always been told you're a more rational person. Maybe other people have been told, oh, you're always creative, but you know, you're not great at the, at numbers right? or whatever else it is. And then... At some point, a lot of people, sometimes you start to challenge this and you realize, actually, I am really good at it or I really enjoy it or whatever else. And like, that's been my experience a bit. Like, I was always good at math. I did engineering. So I went down like a very quantitative, like, route, which, like, fine. Like, I did enjoy it. Like, I still do like that side of things. But, like, then you kind of realize, like, hey, just because I'm good at that stuff doesn't mean I can't be good at other things or that I can't enjoy other stuff as well. And, but, you know, those beliefs can be pretty deeply ingrained, especially if there's stuff from like when you were a kid and stuff. And, you know, you don't even question them that much. Honestly, like this has been something I've been thinking about so much. And um, it is crazy when you think about it, right? Like we all have these beliefs about ourselves, right? And these beliefs form our personality, right? So for example, a core belief I've had about myself is that I'm a super ambitious person. I just thought that that's how I am right? That's my innate nature. But really where that comes from, and as I've realized I've progressed, you know, on this business journey, but like I said earlier, it's not just about building a business. It is the craziest internal journey that you will go on because you're forced to be super vulnerable with yourself, to confront parts of yourself that 
you know, you didn't even know existed. And so this for me, and I realized, you know, this idea of me being ambitious and having to be great at everything and, you know, always having to succeed. Like I thought that was just part of my personality. That's who I was. Right. And I realized it is because when we're children, right, this is what our environment tells us. It's what people tell us. It's what our friends tell us, our families tell us. And because I, you know, I, I had a knack to pick up things really quickly, right? And I had this incessant drive where I felt like I needed to be the best at everything. You know, I kind of came from a divorced family and my dad, you know, wasn't around a lot. And so as a child, you know, I thought that if I was able to be the best, right, that my dad would spend more time with me, right? Or that he would be around a bit more or that he would he would come back, right? Because that's what children do. That's how you think, right? And what I didn't realize was that need for me to be the best so that I could essentially win my dad's love, right? And by me trying to be the best, it was being validated by my environment, by my teachers, by my friends, by my family, by you know school, community, whatever that I had then become this ambitious person who was competitive and good at everything. And you carry that into adult life and you don't even question it. And it's this program that you have about yourself, this belief that you have about yourself, which was a pigeonhole that you were put into as a child um, that you've then carried into adult life. And when you don't realize that, it can be super dangerous because you are essentially you're hindering your potential. Like if you had thought that you were just a numbers guy and you stayed just in engineering, you who are you to go and start a business or who are you to go and be creative or let's say you wanted to pivot, right? Um, it stops you from doing those things because you stay in this little pigeonhole of where people put you back when you were a child, right? And so for me, that idea of me being ambitious and needing to be the best at everything, it's it served me well because it means that it's got me to where I am today. But it's also been this incessant voice in my head that if I wasn't the best, I wasn't good enough. And I realized that that was a program that I carried with me as a child. Um, And so I think it's super important to constantly question these beliefs that you have about yourself and why am I the way that I am? Like, why do I, you know, why do I think that I'm not a creative person? You know, have I even tried to be creative? Who told me that? Where did that come from? You know, Um, and so... It's just, it's it's crazy how much of who we are today is just this programming that was set when we were five years old and we don't even question it. And here we are as adults operating as children. It's it's wild. It's so wild. And I think it's interesting because some people have this realization. Some people kind of question these beliefs and start to work through them and figure out where they've come from and then maybe ultimately decide to let them go or, you know, let go of the ones that aren't serving them. But other people don't. You know, and it's not necessarily like the right or wrong thing to do, but what do you think the like what do you think the process is for like for for finding finding out those things? Because it seems like you have quite a deep insight into where these beliefs have come from and have kind of found a way to kind of deal with them or let them go or at least find a place for them in your own life that, you know, they're not negatively impacting you. Like what do you think that process is for people or is it or maybe that's me trying to be too analytical maybe it's not a process maybe it's just this thing that some people go through and some people don't um yeah i mean i think we all have that ability right um i think for me for me it was it obviously started with this idea of for the first time in my life of starting a business i had stepped out of 
my my known reality, my trajectory. For the first time in my life, I was doing something where I was putting myself in the unknown. I had no control over what was going to happen, how things would unfold. I couldn't plan because I had no idea how things would happen, right? And that first step of me stepping out of my comfort zone, that was really, I would say, the first domino that you stick, right? And from then on, by you constantly making yourself uncomfortable, putting yourself in situations where you are uncomfortable, where you 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 don't have control, you don't know what's going to happen, you can't predict the next step, right? That forces you to get to know yourself really quickly, get to know your flaws, get to know what you're good at, get to know why do you think the way that you think, right? Um, so I think constantly trying to find ways to do the things that scare you, whether it's something small like swimming with sharks or uh, climbing a mountain, right? But you making yourself uncomfortable, you you really start to learn a lot by yourself. Uh, that I would say coupled with, again, meditation, um, because you start to learn to extract yourself from your thoughts. You no longer identify or link your identity to those thoughts that you have. And you can almost see your thoughts from an objective point of view. And that's when you can start to question. You would find yourself in a situation, for example, let's say you're with friends, um, I don't know, having dinner and you know gossiping about, I don't know, somebody's marriage or relationship or you know as as people do right and as you start to become aware of your thoughts you can start to realize the part that you play in conversations like that or like you know and you can almost start to see things like that objectively and you can choose differently so you can choose to say I don't want to be the person that's gossiping about I don't know Sandra's new boyfriend who's I don't know whatever you know um and so that I think comes from first being able to separate yourself from your thoughts, which meditation and, and putting myself continuously out of my comfort zone has helped me to do. Um, and it is, I don't think there's like a one step, like everybody's journey is super different. I think we all have things we want to learn. And there's some beliefs that you have about yourself that are amazing, right? Like, like I said at the beginning, I've always just had this like really strong belief that I could do anything. Um, I knew that I could always figure things out. Now that's a belief that um, I really, is a great belief. I'm aware of it and I choose to keep it, right? But I think it's continuously, like as we grow, as we evolve, as our circumstances change, as our life changes, as our priorities change, we have to continuously reevaluate why do we think the way that we think? How do we think of ourselves? And am, am I living my life based on what's important to me or am I living my life based on what I think other people think of me or what I think they expect of me? And so I think it's just a cycle of continuously just having to Bring yourself back to awareness, catch yourself in the moments, and it's it really is like an ongoing process. I mean, I, I will always be an ambitious person. I think it's super ingrained in me, um, and I do catch myself sometimes where I have to be like, no, I don't have to be the best. I don't have to pick myself up if I don't get in the first five minutes. Um, but yeah, I think those things that I've mentioned um, definitely help you to to be controlled by that less. Does that translate into? Kind of any sort of philosophy that you use for your own life or like if you were thinking about like a big decision do you kind of have anything that kind of guides those decisions for you yes um yeah i would say now like i mean the person that i am if you asked me this a year ago i probably could do a very different answer but today um i think when i'm faced with any sort of decision or any sort of like crossroads or like kind of anything for me the key kind of guiding principle is like authenticity um 
and being true to myself. And I've learned, you know, across these couple of years, especially with the business and this kind of internal journey that you embark on as well, I've really learned to hone in on my voice and able to drown out the noise around, which can be very confusing at times, right? Especially if, you know, you're one of those people, like I used to be, that cared way too much what people thought. So for me, if I feel in my gut that this is a right choice for me, no matter what it might look like, no matter what I think might happen, um, if it feels true to me, um, I usually, that's, that's my guiding principle, whether it's a business decision, whether it's hiring a new team member, whether it's um, anything in life, choosing to move from Dubai to Bali, right? That was a crazy decision that a lot of people didn't understand, but it was true to me. I felt it in my gut and I was being authentic to myself. Um, and so that's really what kind of guides me today. And if you were to have a chat with somebody who is maybe in the position that you were, you know, five years ago, right? Where you're in a job where you, you're doing well, it's a good job, right? Really good job. And, but you know that there's something, there's something eating away at you. There's something that like, I just know this thing isn't for me long-term. This is not what I want to spend, you know, the next few decades of my life doing, but I have no idea what it is I want to do. I have no idea what it is, like what type of other life it is that I might want to pursue. Is there anything that you would say to that person to help them figure out that question? Yeah, I think, um, first of all, life is short. Life is way too short to stay in a situation that you're unhappy in, or even a situation that is yeah, like, you're not unhappy, but you're not happy. Right. And, you know, sometimes, especially what I've found is like, you know, oh, but you should be grateful because, you know, you have this and you have that. And, you know, people, you know, you, you want to, you feel like you should be grateful for what you have. And it's it's almost indulgent of you to not be happy with what you have because you have so much, right? Um, so it can be difficult in those situations to, um, to kind of shake those feelings. But life is short, right? If you are not happy, if you are not feeling truly fulfilled, if you are feeling meh and you know that you should be doing something else, you absolutely, you get one shot, right? Um, you absolutely have to go for it. I would say kind of key step is like, for me, I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know what I wanted to do, right? I think you have to start to connect to yourself, right? In those situations, right? And start to separate yourself from your usual routines, your usual people, the usual places that you go, right? Because by doing the things that you usually do, by following the routines that you usually follow, it just means that you're gonna be living the same life that you've been living. And if you're not happy with that life, if you continue to do those same things, you know, you're going to be in the same place. So I would say, first of all, reevaluate who you spend time with. What are the things that you were doing, right? So if you are spending time with a lot of people that go out partying and drinking, you know, you work during the week, on the weekends, you're getting absolutely boozed and having a great time. And it's a lot of fun. Great. Cool. I mean, also having a great time. Love a glass of wine. But if you are wanting to pursue something more, if you're wanting to create something, if you're wanting to figure out what your passion is, you know, you're not going to do that by going to the office and then partying on a weekend. So reevaluating who you spend time with, the habits, the routines that you have, and really start to spend a bit more time with yourself. Um, read, um, research, right? Uh, meditate, journal. So for me, like journaling was super important. You start to like, you know, kind of write your thoughts down and start to figure out, okay, 
starting to like hear your voice again um, and be like, what do I enjoy to do, right? What do I truly feel about this? Why am I not happy in my current role? What would make me happy? What would my dream life look like? Um, and for me, the key thing that was driving, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew what my dream life would look like. And that was location freedom, time freedom. And because I knew that that's what I wanted, I knew that travel was important to me. I knew that freedom was important to me. And so when I had kind of defined that, you start to open yourself up to possibilities and potentials. It was only at that point when I realized that I didn't want the nine to five, I wanted the freedom, that I started to see things differently. I started to notice opportunities. I started to um, absorb more knowledge, right? And, and it was because I had done that, that I had spotted that gap in the market and even had the idea that this was something that I could do. And so I feel like when you start to get those wheels turning of thinking about what does your dream life look like, um, but also very importantly is extracting yourself from the usual environment that you spend time in. If you're able to do that, you start to then open yourself up to those possibilities and who knows, the right idea might just land on your lap like it did for me, or it might take a while of reading the books, listening to the podcasts, you know, talking to people, researching online, trying things, you know, that you've never tried before um, and going from there. But I think the key thing is, is that you have to just start to have really honest conversations with yourself. Cut the noise, drown it out and just hone in on you and your voice. Because the truth is, is that we all have the answers already in us, right? It's just, it's drowned out by all the noise that exists out there with people and social media and shit it's crazy honestly it's crazy like we just we like we literally have all the answers i love that idea though of um kind of putting the life your dream life first and then working backwards towards you know the job or what else whatever else it is that you want to do because i think if you go the other way around you can end up having uh you can you can make a mistake basically you're like oh i want that job it's like okay yeah, well you have the job now but you actually don't have any of the things that you want in your life maybe you don't have time maybe you don't have freedom of location maybe it's an income thing right maybe you love this job but actually you have different expectations of how much money you want to have and that job doesn't allow you to do it and it's like well you forgot to put the two of those things together right so i think that's really important exactly i do agree i think you know unless you are the minority where you have a real strong passion for something um which most of us do not, right? I think, yeah, starting out by defining the life that you would like to live, like what does that look like? Envisioning it, defining it, right? And then thinking about, okay, in order to create that life, what would I need to do? And for me, freedom was important. And I knew that if freedom was important, I couldn't be working for somebody else. I had to work for myself. And because freedom was more important than money, you know, it made it easier in the beginning when you don't pay yourself, right? When you don't have money coming in because money is not my goal my goal is freedom right and so i think if you're able to to be clear on you know why you want to do what you want to do um that's going to make what you do a lot easier to endure we've got a couple of questions just before we finish up um what i want to ask you is if you went back to yourself and had sat down and had a conversation with yourself when you were just leaving school right so a few years ago what is it that you would say to yourself at that point? Um, oh, I would say buckle up. It's going to be one hell of a ride. Uh, no, but I think 
honestly, I would say, I think the key thing is I would tell my younger self to be proud of yourself, right? To, to know that you are worthy exactly the way that you are, right? You don't have to be anybody different. You don't have to prove yourself to anybody. You are exactly the person that you are for a reason. And that person is worthy of the love, is worthy of the success, is worthy of happiness, of joy, of, of all of this. Um, and I think that would be the key thing that I would tell the younger Chanel. Um, and I would probably tell her to, to maybe breathe a little bit more, you know, not always be so focused on the next thing. Um, I was always, you know, we talked about this, super ambitious. So I was always looking like the next thing. And when I reached that thing, I wouldn't celebrate the fact that I'd reached there. I'd be looking for the next thing, right? And so I would tell that version of myself to just breathe, take in the scenery, reflect, right? Be proud of how far you've come. And then if you want to keep pushing, keep pushing. Um, but I think the key thing for me was that, you know, the, the drive that I had was really coming from a place of, of lack and insecurity. And so I think if I had felt worthy at that age if I had knew my worth and didn't have to prove myself to anybody and didn't have to be the best at something just so that I could feel like people would like me I feel like I maybe would have missed a lot of a lot of heartache uh, but it was part of my journey and I knew I had to go through that yeah, why, why, why do you say that um so uh, just because I've been this program has basically dominated my life, me being super ambitious and needing speed. It has been on autopilot. Um, it's been this incessant voice in my head that I have to do more, be more, you know, and it's been great because I've been able to build a career that was successful. And now I've been able to build a business that is successful and I am enjoying. But the downside is, is because that program has been has really consumed me it's meant that I have been on autopilot in other parts of my life I've been unconscious which means I the first three years of the business I was stressed and anxious the entire time I would go to sleep stressed I would wake up stressed and I didn't didn't enjoy the process and I wish I'd enjoyed it more and also because I was so focused on my career and on needing to be the best I was very unconscious in my personal relationships um, and who I decided to, you know, I would fall into relationships and not really question if that person was the right person for me or not. Um, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't have that same level of, um, I guess, thought that I would put into a business or career. I wouldn't put into, you know, the partner that I would choose. And it's just, it's meant that, you know, and more recently I've gone through you know, a, a divorce and having to to do that while running a business, while also realizing that it was all down to this programming that just made me fall into a situation without questioning it because I was so consumed by my ambition that I didn't even think to think more consciously about the decisions that I was making outside of my ambition. Um, and that was a really costly lesson that I had to learn. Um, but I have come out the other side and I'm a lot more conscious about my ambition not consuming me and me also 
learning to be a lot more conscious and thoughtful about the decisions I make outside of work and outside of the business as well. Because as much as I love my business, there is more to life than, than money. Yeah. So I bought this psychology textbook um, yesterday, right? It's been, we sitting on my kitchen table there and I was having lunch. Um, where does it go? And I flicked it open. It's like one of these really dense, like 750 pages, like psychology textbooks. So I was like, flick it through the index and there was like a page on like happiness. And I was like, interesting. <laughs> one page out of 750, but whatever. So I flicked it open, right? And it's like, on one side of the page, there's basically like all the things that don't make you happy. And then on the other side, there's like all the things to do and like, you know, proven like evidence-based stuff. And like the top one on the, what does make you happy list is like having a good, you know, romantic relationship with a partner. And I was like, I looked at this, I was like, wow, super interesting. I was like, I don't know how much time and effort I'm giving to that, right? This is like the last last thing on my priority list. But if you were to take a really analytical look at like, you know, happiness, like you'd put it at the top. I was like, I'd wake up on a Monday morning and be like, right, what's my plan? So on your Sunday, I'd be like, what's my plan for finding a great romantic relationship? Because the evidence points that that's what's going to make me happy, right? Like that's, if I was going to take an evidence-based approach to it, that's what I should do. Like, obviously it's not what I do. It'd be super weird if I did, but like, it is funny, right? Like we kind of leave these things up until the last on our list. Yeah, we really do. And you don't question it, but like, I think that is like outside of like, you know, where you choose to live, which is a much easier decision to change because you could just pack up and move. Right. But when you, you know, the person that you choose to partner with and, you know, if you eventually do, you know, end up marrying as well, you know, it's um it's not so easy to change right and so we do need to apply the same level of thought at least for me the same level of thought that i was giving my career and my business and my ambition and my growth and my drive that same level of intention and thought i wasn't giving to you know a really important part of my life i was just a passenger you know falling into you know what i thought you know felt good or what i thought i wanted but because i wasn't taking the time to actually question what is that I want outside of work what like who am I outside of building a business outside of this ambitious person that has formed my identity for so long you know like who do I want to be with and I didn't ask myself those questions until it was too late so having to extract myself from a situation like a, a life that I had created that I realized was not the life that I actually wanted because I'd been so unconscious and so focused on my ambition and my business it was a very difficult thing, very difficult thing to do, but it is never too late. You don't have to, you don't have to stay in the same box. You don't have to stay in a life that you don't love. You don't have to stay in a relationship that you don't love. You don't have to stay in a job that you don't love. It is okay to change and it's okay to change 180 degrees. Um, and I think if you just give yourself permission to do that, drown out the noise, connect to your inner voice and just fucking go for it. Honestly, you won't have regrets. Chanel, I think that's a fantastic place for us to end the podcast. I think that was amazing. Um, You were an awesome person. Um, I really, really enjoyed chatting to you, hearing your journey, hearing like, um, like you're, you're super open, right? And And I think that's very helpful for people to hear from like somebody else's perspective about like the challenges they've been through and you know especially with the entrepreneurship journeys 
it often looks very rosy on the outside. Every single entrepreneur I've talked to tells me I had so many struggles with it and I thought I wanted to give up and I hated myself. I was anxious. I didn't sleep. And then I'm like, it is crazy that people still want to go and be entrepreneurs. But like, <laughs> after hearing all these things, but honestly, it is crazy. But if it was easy, everybody would do it. Like there's kind of this framework is like, you know, choose your suffering, right? Like every life path, every job you're going to do, something's going to suck. You're going to have to suffer in some part of it, right? So like just choose the one that you want to actually do. Some people might say the suffering is that, you know, they've got to work these really rigid hours and they're like, Joe, you know that's fine with me. If as long as I get security out of my income and I don't have to stress out too much about it, right? That works for some people doesn't work for other people right so like choose yourself framing sometimes a good like, framework but um yeah listen thank you so much i really appreciate it i really appreciate you taking the time and thank you so much for the conversation i hope you enjoyed that chat that i just had with chanel i think she was an absolutely phenomenal guest and i loved listening to her stories and also just how open and vulnerable she was about some of the things that she's learned about herself over the past few years. So I really hope that you took something from it and that you enjoyed it. As always, go and follow me on socials, on LinkedIn, Steve Duke, Instagram, Two Roads Pod. And other than that, I will see you next week for episode 29 of the Two Roads Podcast. Shout out to my man, Tadian. Shout out to all the motherfuckers that don't give a fuck about us. Now we here, all right? Yeah,